This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. COVID edition. Um, so we're doing it via Skype. So technical difficulties, just love us anyway. So um, I, I am your host, Erica Lance. And with me today is my co-host is J.M. Paquette. Yay. And our amazing, amazing guest who has Skype as her favorite program available. <laughs> Absolutely. Michelle Prince, yay! Welcome, welcome. Okay, we're going to talk about first what we're drinking. So um, I am now drinking uh, Perrier Pink. I've decided that I'm rating all of my stash and supplies because that's where I'm at right now. So I have lemon, no, lime cucumber vodka mixed with Perrier Pink Grapefruit, and it is delightfully refreshing. Um, yeah. Jen, what are you what are you drinking? I'm drinking water because I'm boring and don't drink. She's allergic to alcohol. It's not that she doesn't drink. Don't be offended. She can't. She'll die. It's fun. Um, and that's a I totally know. different podcast. Michelle, what are you drinking? Well, I have a friend who I almost killed in Europe because she is also allergic to drinking. And we got a cheese plate. And all of a sudden she was gone. And I was, she was like, no, not good things happened. I felt bad. But I still ate the cheese. Anyway. cheese is a killer, man. Well, I don't know. It was cheese and sausage. We still haven't figured out exactly what part of that cheese plate. Because I'm like, this was a cheese plate. But we were in Europe. So there you go. Okay. So the finest. I, I'm, I'm seeing a doctor today, as always. Dr. Pepper. But I always, since I am a princess, have a little crown. <laughs> and you just drip a little bit of vanilla in there. And it's just like vanilla Dr. Pepper. Oh, vanilla. I love this. I, I'm, I'm proud of this. So fun story, since we're talking about food you can't eat. Jen can't eat tiramisu because they're brandy-soaked lady They are. <laughs> Sometimes it's fake tiramisu and I can eat it. And other times it has real amaretto in it. And then I can only smell it from a distance. Oh, she's also allergic to sunlight. We brought that up. So in, in case you're wondering weird weird allergies that we have on our podcast today. Um, good time in Florida. She's great, you know, as a designated driver at night when you want to go out drinking in the clubs. Okay, cool. So yes. Yes, welcome to the podcast. Let's talk about what do you write? I know what you write, but for the fans out there, what do you write? Um, well, I write mostly romance. I'm getting a little into mystery, a little into sci-fi. Uh, I tend to write interracial, but not always. I kind of just mix it up. It's whatever my characters tend to want. Um, kind of a series whore. So, which means all my standalones turn into a series. Because, <laughs> so that's kind of what ends up happening. I'm like, oh no, I'm just going to write one. And then, yeah, that was kind of how it was. My friend who writes an MC series, she's like, just write one book with me. So our eighth is going to be coming out in June. That's kind of how it happens. <laughs> It's just, it's one of those things, you know, you got the side characters and I'm like, well, shoot, I guess we did set this up so we could do it. So now I've kind of just given up trying to write single and just say, you know what, let me just set this up because it's going to be a series. Well, I think that your fans probably like that more. I'm sure there are quite yeah. a few that would read a standalone and go, I want more. And yeah, I have sure. a couple that people are like, oh, when are you going to write the next one of that one? I'm like, ah! 
that was totally not spoke. There is no, I did not put any extra. No, no. Yeah. So, yeah. so then you're like, okay, making notes. Where? <laughs> Maybe. Can I do another one of those? No. Yeah. So how many books, have, how many books do you have published right now? Published right now? Um, I think I'm at 42, 43, oh. something like yeah. that. Yeah. Life, the universe and everything. Um, yeah. As Douglas Adams would say. So 42. Exactly. Wow. Where did you, when did you start? Um, well, my first book was published. Eight, I just had my eight year anniversary, uh, probably started about two and a half, three years before that fully writing. I mean, technically I did get something published when I was in high school, but it was poetry. So yeah. Um, <laughs> but so was it very angsty? We all have very angsty high school poetry. Actually, it was like this I was writing like I was a grown up and the, the poem was about a woman who's in a car with her husband and she looks down a country road and she remembers that's basically where she got knocked up and that's why she's in. But she didn't have any regrets for the husband that she had. It's kind of like the road that she went down and how it oh, worked out for her. that is not teen angst at all. I know. I suck at that. <laughs> Which is why I write YA sometimes because, you know, I suck at teen angst. <laughs> Awesome. So let's talk about your first book. What was your first published book? Uh, it was called Chrysalis. I don't know if since I just got back from the publisher and I put it out. I actually put, there's four books in the series because like I said, I'm a series whore. I was going to write this one book because I was very frustrated with another series that somebody else had written. And there was kind of this story over and over in my head of this girl jumping off a bridge but she was a woman. She's a grown woman. So I wrote that and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to flashback to when she met her husband. Then I looked up how long a book was supposed to be after I was like at about 85,000 words. I'm like, Oh, they're still in high school. <laughs> so <laughs> that one turned into four books. The prologue moved to the third one. It's a whole thing. So that's oh, my wow. first one. It's all about a family that's extremely dysfunctional and the girl who's trying to figure out why her family always kind of goes left when they could have gone right and she finds out it's because a demon has been attacking her family for so many years. And that's why they've made the poor decisions. So she has to find strength within herself because the demon comes after her when she falls in love. Wow. Yeah. So. That is awesome. Did it go um, self-published, traditional public? Where are you at that, that realm? Because you're a USA Today bestselling author. Yes. So that what? one was with Rebel Inc. Press to start with. And then I took it back. They kind of switched their format and I was just having issues anyway. So I, I ended up taking that back after it had been out for like a year, like the whole series had been put out. And like I said, they decided to go Christian or something. I can't remember. Uh, so I took that one back and I was going to put it with another publisher. And I just decided I would self-publish it because I had an editor that I really liked. And I've kind of kept it that one in the self-published realm. I did throw it into the book. I took it down for a little bit and threw that one into the book that got me the USA Today bestseller. So what what book was that? That was the Chrysalis book. It was um Sigils and Spells. Is um it was a interracial uh, paranormal book. So all the all the authors wrote a uh, interracial paranormal story. Very 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 cool. Okay, so what got you besides um, the adult poetry instead of teen angst poetry in high school? Although I feel like you should revisit that at some point. Very interesting. Because <laughs> um, I feel like I actually want to take all of the authors that I know and produce a book of just our teen angst poetry. One poem each of our teen angst. 
history and put it out because when you talk to them, they're like, yeah, I wrote teenage. It was terrible. And I just put a book of terrible teenage poetry. Um, so what made you decide you wanted to be a writer or when did you decide that or how did you? Ironically, I went to one of my book signings and one of my friends was like, I'm so proud you finally did it. And I totally forgot that I said I wanted to be a writer. <laughs> I'm so glad my friend remembered. No, and really, it truly was frustration. Part of it is, um, is very, especially back when I started writing, it was very hard to find a positive black male character with a white woman. It was, a, it was at that time, all interracial had to be labeled erotica, which a lot of people in the interracial community, we fought for that. We fought against that, saying just because it's interracial doesn't make it erotica. Erotica is sex-driven very little plot. If anything, the plot is driven by sex. We have stories that are about families and about, you know, sex. Uh, you know, I only, I only have one or two sex scenes in my book. It That's not what this book is about. And so, and a lot of the other authors went in on that because uh, there's quite a few authors that were just tired of being put under erotica. And that's where I was finding black men with white women. They'd either, you know, since Othello, we beat them, we kill them. We, you know, it, it's always kind of like been a taboo and, oh, well, let's put this under something naughty. And I didn't want that. I have my, I have a son who didn't get to see a black hero. So I was like, I'm going to write a black hero. And I, you know, and things like that. So that's kind of where I got, it was basically frustration with the market. The market didn't have it. So I made it myself. No, I think that's brilliant, and I think that's really important right now because there are so many genres that um, don't get to uh, get explored and so many things because they're like, nope, you have to, here's the box, put yourself in this box, if you're not in this box. It's interesting, too, because doing publishing on, say, for instance, Ingram Sparks versus Amazon and, um, you know, Amazon is a great marketplace, but the amount of genres is very limited on Amazon that you can put something in versus, say, Ingram Sparks, where you got the 80 bazillion choices, you know, on mm -hmm. like where you get to put stuff. And it's funny because there's a friend of mine who's um, putting together an anthology of Wild West paranormal romance. And she's like, well, there's four there's four genres right there. Yeah, exactly. You got to make it a thing, not just. The, the two that they limit you to are going, so where do you put Wild West romance? Because that's not a thing. Yeah, and do you throw it do you throw it in the search words and then you only have seven of those? That's, that's I started using draft to digital because I really liked that I they they at least allow me a couple more and then they allow you almost unlimited search words if you want to add them. But it's one of those things I've kind of gotten I kind of have a little campaign, not that it's gonna go anywhere, but I have a campaign where when I'm sitting there telling people, what do I write? I'm like, I write interracial. I also write African-American and I also write white romance, but you don't say white romance. You just say romance. Yeah. And so I'm kind of trying to, the people that are in the interracial or the African-American group, I'm trying to see if we can try to push those to the search engines instead of the regular, because by separating them out, it's kind of a separate but equal because if I'm sitting there saying, Oh, and Oh, I also write romance. Well, if, if white, if white on white is just romance, then what's LGBTQ? That's still romance. But why do we have to put that extra asterisk by it? Much like interracial. And it just kind of, it makes it hard, especially for me, because I actually have an LGBTQ book. I have, so do I have to sit there and break down every single one of my, my genres? If I did that with my first book, it was, 
YA, but it was a crossover, so it's kind of NA. Um, sports, because we have lots of sports in it, paranormal romance. And I'm like, that's so many. The only one that matters is the last one, is the romance. I do think throwing paranormal is important because you want to know if the guy's going to shift into a, a wolf or a wolf or something halfway through. But I, I, we need to start just calling them romance is kind of my, my little soapbox on that. No, I don't know stuff into, into search engines. No, I think that it's, it's great. You said that. Cause I think that is something that um, authors are going to drive that movement authors and readers more so than the industry itself and marketing is going to, because I think, uh, you know, talking to a lot of independent authors, you get the, um, hold on, vodka just hit my brain. You get the disclaimer, this, well, not to the disclaimer, but you also get, you get that they don't, you know, people, mainstream people will get a book and not know what to do with the book. Like it can be a great book, but they go, it doesn't fit into one of the boxes on my desk. So I can't do anything with this book instead of going, how do I do something with this book? And I think that would make the difference in the industry. Like, how do I do something with this to make it an awesome thing versus I'm sorry, you don't fit in our, one of the boxes on my desk. So I can't do anything with your book. Or throwing it into a box because because you assume that's what the reader needs because a lot of readers don't care. They care about the story. They're not in, especially like in a racial, we sit there and we're like, Oh, it's BWWM. Well, 99% of the people don't know what BWWM is or BMWW or AM. It's all it is, is disclaiming who the hero and heroine are, but you add those extra, extra layers. It's just cutting you off from readers. I think. I agree. What were you going to say, Jim? I was going to ask, so as a writer versus, this is all marketing, like how you're going to get your readers. So how do you, how do you distribute your time? Like, do you write most of the time and then, and then work on marketing or like how much of your day is, is business versus create, creating the story? Um, I would say more is creating the story because I will pay someone to do marketing because I suck at it. (laughs) I just, I, if you can tell me that you can do it and you actually prove it. I've, I've tried lots of different PAs. I have some that I found are more successful than others and they stay around. The other ones move on. I'm willing to try most anything. I do put in time when I make my book trailers. That's about the, you know, um, and once in a while I'll share, but it's one of those things that's really hard doing that part. I'd love to pay Amazon to actually market my book, but so far every time I've I've done all the things that they say you're supposed to do to get your book in front of people and pay them. It hasn't panned out. So I'm still looking for that magic formula that people have. Um, so for the most, I am not a very good marketer. That's why I have people. That's why I have, uh, that's why I look, I'm always on the search for a good PA and I will put them in different categories. I have ones that are amazing at doing memes. I have ones that are amazing at throwing stuff out there. I have, you know, I have ones that are great at organizing things and I'd rather pay people to do different things and get it done right than me try to figure it out. And I'd rather just focus on my stories if I can. It was awesome. So what are you currently writing? Currently I am writing uh, an MC series book, of course. <laughs> Cause I'm on book eight. We already have like book 15 planned. I'm telling you, we just, that one, that, that one kind of got a little out of control, but it's okay. Um, I'm waiting on edits back on a, I'm redoing a fairy tale retelling of Jack and the Beanstalk, which was stupid of me, but I really love the picture, so I made it work. 
but it's one of those, I, that picture is perfect for Jack and the Beanstalk. And then I realized Jack was an ass. So <laughs> it really was. I mean, he broke into some guy who was doing nothing to him, steals his money, steals his goose, steals his harp. Yes. Thank you. So I had to switch that one up. So I, it's actually, if you, as you read it, you can totally see the Jack and the Beanstalk according to my beta readers, but they can also see a little dread private Rob, you know, a couple different things in there so that I could actually make it be a good a romance and him not be as much of an ass. I'm, I'm in an anthology for a fairy tale retelling and I have Jack and the Beanstalk and you are I so am, right. Like, how do I make him? How do you make him nice? Person? He's a robber. So, like. so my book comes out on the 21st. If you want a hint, no, <laughs> so you can see yeah. what comes out, but that one is coming out. Um, and I'm, I wanted to start doing more fairy tale retellings. I had done it in a group, kind of like an anthology, except for we did individual. We released them individually. One called The Muted Swan, which is based on the wild swans. I like the ones nobody's heard of. So <laughs> Jack of the Beanstalk is a little mainstream for me. Because like I'm looking at this one called Donkey Cabbage. That's really cool. It's a fairy tale. I like weird fairy tales. And a couple other ones. Um, so I decided I was going to just do weird fairy tale retellings. So, so what's your start that favorite fairy tale of all? My favorite one is the one I did the first time, which is the muted. I did the muted swan. It was um, from the wild swans, which mm-hmm. a few people know, not very many, but it's all about the girl who um, her brothers get turned in by the evil stepmother, get turned into swans and they can only be human at night and they still have to migrate. And she has to be quiet for seven years while she uses, gets thistles and turns them into st- twine and then makes them into sweaters for the boys to wear in order for them to save. And I I love that one when I was younger, I, like all the time. Whenever we go to the video store, I, it was that was the one I want. I always I probably watched that tape way too much when I was younger, but I was the baby, so I didn't care. And <laughs> it was my favorite one. I didn't go as far as like the really twisted one that uh, Hans Christian Andersen actually put out, but it still worked out. And I I that that's my favorite one. And The Muted Swan is probably one of my favorite books that I've written because it was just. It was a challenge. It was fun. It had a little fairy tale in it. And it was my favorite fairy tale. So cool. So do you I'm assuming you like happy endings? I do. I will give a cliffhanger once in a while, but yeah, I, I'm a happy ending girl. I'm also not the I like I, I am not the man who he might it, I literally have a book where the man kind of does the whole I'm gonna do this, this and this, this just to you and you know, pin you up to the wall and do all this stuff and the heroine literally laughs at him. <laughs> That's my <laughs> You know, she literally just starts laughing. I'm like, Does that does that shit actually work? <laughs> Seriously. And that's kind of my hero heroine. I I they're strong men, they can do what they you know, they'll protect them, but at the same time the women don't need them to do that. I don't like, I, I'm not that person. So I like a balance between the relationship as opposed to, I'm going to, you know, I'll read a pin you to the wall book, but I don't, I can't write it. Part of the reason why I have a problem with Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk, because he's an ass. So. Do you care, do you feel like your stories are really like driven in, like, do you, like some writers, I promise I can say all these words out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I they're all jumbled. Jibble, jibble in my brain. Okay, so a, a lot of writers, when you're when you're doing it, end up being character driven and get taken away by your characters into the story, going a different route than 
you necessarily thought they would. And some people are very kind of more technical writers or, and it's, to me, it's also a difference between plotter or pantser because I think you could still be a plotter, but your characters can take you in a direction that's different. Where where are you? Where do you classify yourself? What do we we call ourselves? A planter. I started off as a pantser and I literally have had times where I had to pull away because like, my character got slapped. I'm like, she was never going to get slapped. The ending to that story where the girl jumped off the bridge totally did not go where I thought it was going to go, but it went where it needed to go. Um, and although I do now plot, especially cause I have a, I have a couple co-authors, one of them, Dahlia Rose, who you had on. Um, so there is a plot that has to be taken care of. Of course, with my MC series, my one co-writer always likes to blow stuff up and it wasn't in the plot, but that's what she does. That's okay. So I always am like, she's just going to blow something up somewhere in here. She's going to be irritated and blow something up. And she usually does. It's kind of fun. Is it hard to, is it hard to write with? So I, I've written, I have a book that I co-authored with another writer. It's a, a male and it. That book is told from the male perspective and the female perspective, but we hopscotch um, uh, chapters. So it, how do you, how's been the experience with co-writing with somebody? I've looked out. I've had three different co-writers. Um, the first one uh, was Rihanna Mallory, and we wrote this amazing, probably the best Christmas story ever. Just tooting my own horn on that one. It's called Unwrapping a Marriage. But with that one, Rihanna is a very deep inner. When you read her books, it's all about the inner voice. I'm the smart ass. It's hard to tell. But no, I, was I, smart no so I would I never guess that about you. So it was kind of cool because I would loosen up her dialogue and she would deepen my the thoughts in the book. And that was kind of how our, our ours went. We actually, we were going to do the hopscotch and then I do this. I was going to be the guy. She was going to be the girl. And it didn't work out because we each had different scenes that we had in our head that we had to get done. You know, that was our scene. We knew what we wanted for that. So we just kind of went with it. And basically we would send, we'd do so many thousand words. We'd send it on. First person would go through. I'd loosen her up. She'd make me deeper. Wow, that sounded really bad. Anyway. What kind of book was this again? Let's just say, does the marriage get saved? I'll tell you how. No. um, And that's kind of how we worked our way through it. Um, With Dahlia, if she doesn't mark or I don't mark where the ending is, there's not much that I'm changing in her and vice versa. Our, I didn't realize, I knew we had a similar voice, but we're like, I seriously was reading. I'm like, did I write? I could not tell the difference between her writing and mine. And then with Ren, Ren, <laughs> likes, Ren skeletons it for me and I just throw all the meat on. So it all kind of evens out. It's just, they're very different. It just ended up happening that I, I got some amazing writers to work with, but we also help each other in different ways. Cause Ren's really good at skeleton, you know, putting the, putting the bones in the book. And I'm just, you know, I'm a baker. I like to throw fat, you know, some butter and some other good things, <laughs> fatten it up. That's some frosting, it everything. Needs some, oh, everything is buttercream. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, the, I, I think that's awesome because um, it's interesting writing with a co- co-author and stuff like that. And especially you're, you just talked about basically kind of almost three different methodologies about writing with somebody else, you know? Um, do you ever get, uh, I, I hate writer's block because people think it's just sitting in and staring at a screen that no words come out on, but I don't think it's necessarily that I think it's getting distracted or life happening where you don't make the time. How much time do you spend writing every day? 
Ugh, well, there's that nine to five job that so gets in my way. But um, uh, usually Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, because I work four times, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I try to get between five to eight hours in if I can. And then I try to do more editing and kind of skimming during the week is kind of how I do it. Um, as far as writer's block, I'm a little schizophrenic because really I told you about two of the books, like one in edits, one I'm writing. I actually have four other books going that are active all the time. So if one muse shuts up, I just move to the next one because I have a lot of different projects. I have some books that are contracted that I have to get done that I'm also working on. Um, and I've been, I had to go in and out and that's a teenage one because, you know, I'm all <laughs> angsty. I'm all angsty on that one. But no, I have a, it's a three book fantasy. I think it would be considered paranormal fantasy type book that's supposed to come out next year. So I have that always there that I can pull up and I can kind of work my way through and try to clean that up because it's old writing that I'm changing to how I write now versus how I wrote back in 2011 or whenever I started that book. So that's kind of how I am with to get through the writer's block. There are other ways. I also, I'm sure Barb, Barbie told me I was supposed to bring my cross stitch. So I cross stitch and watch oh, wow. stuff. I also cross stitch and do a listen through when I'm editing. I have the computer read to me. It was a trick my son taught me when he was like nine. Really, he was, he was, he had my computer and all of a sudden it started talking. I'm like, what are you doing? Why, how did that happen? And at first I didn't like it because I thought it, my computer was stupid and skipping words. And then I realized that was me. The computer's not going <laughs> to skip the words. I was like, my inner, my inner English side came out and like the, at, you know, of, you know, they just weren't in there. Cause that's, you know, and there are things that I couldn't see if I was watching it. Mm-hmm. If I was reading it, I can't see it. But if I do the listen through when I'm editing, I'll listen through, do my cross stitch and they'll be like, whoa, something was missing there. And I'll just go back and fix it. No, I, I think that's awesome because if you look at the same work, we know what the story is. We know what the dialogue is. We know what's happening next. And I think we're, we can be our, our worst enemy when it comes to filling in the blanks. Yeah, your brain sees what you thought you wrote, not what you actually wrote. Yeah. Exactly. And it you know, always it always spells literally and in restaurant and um, what is that? Oh, permanent. It never does the wrong thing. My brain is always not, you know, any of those words that I can link with other words, it always puts the right one in there. So <laughs> no, I need a, a computer. <laughs> that's actually, it's just such a good idea. I know a lot of people that will print out their pages and then take a pen and read through them versus having them on the computer. For that reason, I usually have to walk away for a little bit because if I don't walk away, I'm, I'm, yeah. Do you flipping through the pages and you see, you see everything you're supposed to see. Or yeah. The font, change the font. And then your brain has to reread what, what's actually there as opposed to what you think is there. That's we'll put wind part. digs, wind digs. And then <laughs> and <laughs> I tell my students to like make it 16 font Edwardian. And then you have to like really read it and then you see what's there. And then, cause otherwise they give me papers missing half the work. Yeah. No, I think, Oh my God. I think that's hysterical read it back to you I, it's you know i tried to do the dragon naturally speaking at one point because i was like i can no no i can't, I can't do say it. what i can't say what i write out loud oh my god that's embarrassing he put what where <laughs> i would never talk like that i, I have a friend that 
because she writes smut, but her husband will walk in and she'll be trying to shut the computer down. I, not that he cares, but she's literally knocked her monitor off her desk in a haste to try to shut it down. when she rereads it. It's yeah, it's very funny to watch her read it. She's in, embarrassed by her own. Do, do you ever reread a, a, a paragraph or a chapter or read out loud at an event and blush at all, or are you? I'm putting my stuff in Audible, and let me tell you, that's eye opening. Because <laughs> you're like, oh my god, tell ya. Are you reading your own books for Audible? Oh God, no. Oh, I need people to actually listen to it. And Lord knows it's been a long time since I've done stuff like that. I am trying to talk my husband into reading one because he's got a nice, deep, very white voice when he wants it. And I'm like, come on. So are you no, mainly you having uh, a males read your stories? I'm actually about 50-50. I just signed, I just signed uh female to do like one series and or two books and like a, a standalone and a series. And then I signed a male to do the same thing. So... I kind of do 50. It depends on the story and more what their voice is. I have one that I had a perfect guy and it wasn't selling enough. So he stopped. He didn't finish the series. And I've tried a couple different people. It's just like they, their voice is just not right for it. So it, yeah, it has to sound right for it. It's kind of how otherwise it's not going it, to. I don't care if it's male or female. My husband thinks they should all be female. I'm like, I listen to Holter Graham and think he's amazing and he's not reading. It, it's funny your husband says that because in the sort of the industry, a lot of romance books and a lot of erotica books are read by males because yeah, that's, what, I, that's wow. what females want to listen to is a male reading them erotica, not a female reading them erotica. Right. He's, he's thinking it's because of the girl. The, how am I supposed to be in a girl's brain? I'm like, really? <laughs> You're like... Obviously, you don't need to record this for us. <laughs> no, we're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna, he's going to try it. He's going to try a chapter and I'm going to give it to my little group and decide, and they're going to decide whether or not he should do more is what he's decided to do. Cause I'm like, dude, you know, you have the voice for it. Come on. Uh, that'll be awesome. Okay. We are at the halfway mark. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with Michelle Prince. Hey, thank you for listening to Drinking With Authors. We wanted to let you know that if you're an aspiring author out there and you'd like to be on our podcast, you can email us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com. Or if you guys have a question, comment, want to tell us some little tidbit of interesting news, you can always direct message us or comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We love that you're listening. We love that you're out there. And we look forward to hearing from you. Drinking with authors, it's it's fun. Um, Adam is not here to the podcast consigliere, so I'm recording this. So we'll see what happens when he edits it for me and it's back on the show. Yay for vodka and editing the podcast process. So we were just talking about your um, husband's apparently very sexy voice for reading um, audiobooks for you. Do you make him read your stories to you? No, he's only read one of my books. So, but it's fair. I have he wrote one book and I haven't read it, so it's all fair. What did you write about? Um, cognitive behavioral therapy in teens. I really don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a page turner, right? That's there. a page turner right there. I'm like, he wrote some textbook. I'm like, mm, yeah, good for you. 
<laughs> it was not, it was not my it was not my major and was not my <laughs> it's not my major and not what you know anything I cared about so wow do you have a lot of I mean obviously we end up with author friends and people who read I I think it's interesting when you're an author and you start putting your books out and stuff because people want to be very supportive but then there's the people that are actually very supportive and buy your books and and read your books and review your books because I mean we all have x amount of Facebook friends that are actual friends in real life but was that was that interesting when that first started happening for you that was at first I told people I don't care if you read it just buy it (laughs) (laughs) you can make you can make the choice on reading it and then the other ones oh my god I think that's you and your husband I'm like my husband doesn't have that ass so it's not him (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, come on, people. I mean, it's not that you don't put some of your own life in there and own experiences in there, but I'm like, no, 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 no. But, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting when you get people that you don't know. I'm always excited when, when somebody tells me something. I'm like, oh, my God, you're the one who read it. Awesome. I had some – we were talking about this the other day with a couple author friends, and they had totally forgot a character's name. And I'm like, yeah. I've been there. Somebody came to me with a book that was like six years old at that point and was like, oh my God, I so love Marcus. I'm like, I've never written a character named Marcus. I would remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, that one, but it was a short story. It really wasn't that long. <laughs> it's interesting though, because the fans get really attached to certain characters and or certain points in the story that you maybe are like, yeah, no, that was that was a great part I wrote. What is she talking about? I have no idea. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what I did in second and short with Dalton because I literally have fights over Dalton. Like who who who's his real girlfriend in my fan group? And I'm like, I don't know what I did. Although he is the closest to my husband than probably most of my uh, characters, so maybe that's it. But I'm not sorry about that guy all the time. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like I don't know what I did, but literally there'll be knockdown dragouts in there. And people, if I if I bring a blanket with Dalton's from the cover, you know something. It's it's a fight over who gets to snuggle Dalton and gets to have Dalton. And I don't know what I did magically in there, but if I could do that like 75 more times, I'd be really happy. But. Well, and that's interesting. Fan stuff blankets. I never even thought about that. That's a great idea. Well, but, no, it's a football story, so you need a you need a stadium blanket. Oh, oh. Um, obviously, you need to bring several so you can have a snuggle fest. A, a Dalton, so you can sit on his face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He he does. He does have a butt warmer because he does have a a beard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, do you when you go you since you're a series whore? A self-proclaimed series, or do you go back when you're writing the next one? And uh, how do you keep track? How do you keep, especially because you were talking a little bit ago about a, a really long series, 15 books, right? And you're on book eight. How do you keep track of everything? <clears throat> well, we had the same editor, and we thought, oh, we knew this person's name because it's an MC book, so a lot of people are by their road names, and rarely do we put their name in there. No, we've had errors. And we've come back and fixed them. Like, I don't know, a mother was dead in the first book, but she was in the second. I was like, oh, dang. Because we didn't expect it to be a series. We expected it to be a standalone. So uh, we are, we do have a Bible. We do go back a lot. 
I wish I had somebody who would do like a full on Bible for me, but those people are expensive, but especially I have a tattoo series. So I have to know where everybody's tattoo is and tattoos in that case, because they're tattoo artists, they have multiple. So I do try to keep, we do try to keep, we have a spreadsheet for one. I have, um, I have a timeline cause my very first book chrysalis that actually goes over eight years, but there's a big break in between when they go from being teenagers to when they're adults. And I had to figure out when kids were born and I had to figure out when their marriage was. And so I had to do this whole timeline thing, which I didn't have any crown at the time, but I still made it through. But yeah. I was going to say when I drink, when I'm writing, it's so much better because then I definitely have to go back and look at what I wrote. <laughs> well, the, the, the rule is you can drink as much as you want when you write. You just can't do it when you edit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good I didn't, one. I didn't know that was a rule. I don't know how I feel about that rule right now. Rule no, you can drink in. after you're done editing, but you can eat brownies and stuff while you edit and you cry. So uh, that that's true. Do you um? So when it, okay, oh, twelve thoughts just hit me all <laughs> at the same time. It's really bad. This is what happens. Words is why you can't edit and drink at the same time. <laughs> Listen, that's a lot of judgment. Um, so <laughs> you you keep track of the spreadsheet. Do you ever go back to the previous book and reread that one before you start on the next one or re-listen to it? Or I'll go back and read sections okay. if I need it. More for the important things to make sure, um, especially like with the MC series, there's a timeline. Luckily, there's kids. Those help a lot with timelines because <laughs> kids are going to age we tend we tend to freeze our heroes at certain ages and heroines i found but the kids the kids have to eventually grow up they can't stay babies so that's what that's that's the trickiest part with um that mc series is because those guys have a lot of sex and they have a lot of kids all the time I swear they're dropping them left and right so i have to keep track of their ages there's kids that are brought into the to the group so that's kind of um that's the thing that I'll go back and check and double check and make sure um, I'll reread um, a trauma story from a, from someone that might not have been a main character, but they're a side character to make sure I have their trauma story right because it came up in a previous book. So yeah, That makes sense. You have some fantasy-based stories. Do you do a lot of world building? I do and I go down rabbit holes. I, I was a history political science major, so basically I just researched all the time and I will go down a rabbit hole for days and days at a time <laughs> trying to find, you know, and I do a lot of angels and demons, so a lot of god and goddesses stuff. I'm working on a dragon series, so I found this wonderful lady called the Viking Lady that'll send me all this information. She's awesome about um, Scandinavia and when she's got when they changed and how they changed the last names and based on what and what years they did it. And she's got everything broke down. And I love research because I like people to think to or at least to pick up my book and know that it's right. Um, I literally I always tell this story. I literally threw this one book across the room. I was supposed to be judging because she had so many football errors in there, which is against the law in my law, in my book, in my, in my life. Cause football is just, it's my, it's my favorite sport. I literally threw the book across the room and I sat there looking at it. I'm like, no, I could put it in a little library. I could donate it. I'm not going to do either of those things. So I don't want anybody to pick this up. It is so horribly <laughs> inaccurate when it comes to football. Now I don't know everything about everything. So I will research because I don't want people to throw my book across the room going, 
oh my God, that would never happen. That could never work. So if I have my MC heroes and they're going from Colorado to to California, I'm going to find stops along the way. I'm going to figure out how long it's going to take. I'm going to figure out rest stops. Like it, that's what I like to do. And even if it's fantasy, JR Ward's one of my favorite, her and Dorinda Jones. And my favorite thing about them is you kind of like, that could actually be going on. And that's what I like. They're putting a fantasy world into our real world. And you kind of are like, God, that actually could be happening. Same with, so that's what I like to do with my fantasy world. And one of them is called the, it's the frozen series. And that one I actually set in the town I went to college in. And I put, I, I kind of dripped a few things that actually did happen when I was in college. Like, yeah, wasn't that like 20 years ago? Somebody, yeah, that was this because of this demon or whatever. You know, I like to drip those little things in there. And some of the best things I've gotten, I had one person who read my book and she put in the thing. I love reading Michelle's books because I know she always, she, she may, I know she does her research. So I know this is true about the rodeo which I did not know anything about the rodeo. So I had to research it. And I went to the rodeo. It was really hard. There was this guy. He had to take off his shirt to get taped. It was right in front of me. So hard. Anyway. Very um, difficult being a writer. Very difficult. (laughs) You know, like I had to go to the firehouse. I had to talk to the NFL players to make sure I got it right. Um, So these are things that, you know, I will sacrifice for the readers now. But it was with that, with the fantasy, although it is a fantasy world, I like to make you think it could happen. It's no, something I, that could be happening right now, and we're just oblivious to it. It's it's important that uh, as a writer you do that, and it's it, in what you just said is a major nugget of advice. Is you can create a world. A lot of times you can create a town, but if you create a town somewhere, understand what the weather is like. Understand, like you can totally make your town however you want your town to be, and there can be some paranormal or supernatural stuff going on. But for instance, like I was born in Minnesota and uh, my parents live up there and it's cold until June, like whatever. It's a good 68 degrees out there right now. Are you up in Minnesota? I'm in Minnesota. (laughs) Oh my gosh. They're from Northfield. Just sidetrack, but they live in Northfield. A little south. I'm in North St. Paul. But yeah, but I agree 100%. And it I was, can't write a story where I'm like, it's springtime in April and it's 75 because it's not like it it's could. not that it could, but it's going to snow the next day. Yeah, so, I was just re- reading someone from Australia talking about that. And they said whenever they read like most mainstream books are European. So she said every book I read, they talk about how it's cold in the north. And she's like, my brain has to pause because I'm in oh, Australia yeah. and to the north it's hot. <laughs> well, I had somebody who actually in our, la- our last book that we put out for this MC series, which is set in Montana. Mm-hmm. She said, I am from Montana and they just got it spot on. It is, I, I said, I, they must live here. Both authors. I'm thinking both authors live in Minnesota. Um, but it was one of those things I was like, Oh, I feel so good. Cause I'm sitting there looking up towns and I'm looking, I mean, we made a fake one, but I'm looking at different pictures and where it's at. And I kind of give you where it is. And, but it's one of those things I have. I, I actually just posted this about how small towns, are different to everybody else. Because I saw this Yahoo story about this small town and how this poor paramedic is so taxed in the small town. 5,500 people. I'm like, that is huge. Not a small town. That's not a small <laughs> town. But my husband also was from Vicksburg, Mississippi. So he thought he was in a small town. They've got like 20, 25,000 people. Oh, that's a small town. No, 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 no. 
my class that would have had 19, I actually left my senior year and went to a different school, but my, the school in the town that I, that I grew, that I went to high school in just closed because it only had 35 students, nine through 12. That's a small town. And people always want the small town sheriff. Guess what? It's the county guy that's going to come for two hours on Friday and Saturday night. I got tricked because they switched the day and I got a speeding ticket last time I went to my small town. They switched to <laughs> Sunday morning. I'm like, what the hell? I was seriously like, I said, why are you even here? It's totally supposed to be Friday and Saturday night from 10 till midnight. She looked at me kind of crazy. I'm like, well, it's been a while. But, but yeah, it's a belief that small towns all have this little sheriff. And it's like, no, they really don't. We pay the county. And even if they do, that's not their full-time job. They're usually like the mayor and the sheriff and the this because, you know. And you got the, par- the paramedics are all voluntary that, you know. And even mm-hmm. like in, was it, New Ulm, Minnesota, where I live, which was 13,000, that's a little bit smaller. But at when I lived there, the paramedics were all still volunteers. So when the whistle blew, like all of a sudden random people would just drop everything and run because whoever got there first got to go on the run. And I was thinking, and that I didn't think New Orleans was small. I mean, we had more than one grocery store. We had a motel. We had movie theater. I didn't think that was very small. No, that's small. I lived in a town called Green Lake, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> there, there, it was go, right there. Wisconsin. And it had 1,200 people. It didn't have a McDonald's. It didn't have no. a stoplight. Like, I judge the size of the town in relation to the fast food restaurants. It does yeah, or does not have. The town I grew Absolutely. up in finally got a Dunkin' Donuts. I was like, oh, man, big time. Like That is big time because, shoot, we only have one in, in the Twin Cities, I think. Because they just don't – I don't know. We just don't have them anymore. But you yeah. guys have caribou. You have caribou. We don't have oh, caribou. We're in Florida. We don't really have caribou down here. So, But you have Waffle House. And we watched the seventh seal of the apocalypse breaking when Waffle House closed. Because mm-hmm. when we go down south, anytime we hit – we crossed the Mason-Dixon, we immediately have to go to Waffle House. Because, again, my husband's from Vicksburg, and my son's now at Southern Miss. So, yeah, we the Waffle House is the... Uh, yeah, Waffle House is... it's it, Waffle House, to me, is always a late night after drinking place to stop and eat food. Kind of... But we got Culver's now down here. First time I had Culver's was up with you guys. We have Culver's oh. down here now. We have ourselves some Butter Burgers. Yes! So for those listening to this podcast, the marker of the apocalypse, the way like if Waffle House closes, you know, like it's bad. You know, they built those buildings because my husband, he's kind of a geek and he researches like I do. They literally built those buildings to withstand hurricanes. They did. I was in um, (laughs) New Orleans just after Katrina, like two or three months and we were driving um, and then the bridge was out. So we had to turn around and go all the way back. And the only buildings that were left were Waffle Houses. Like they were empty. There was no power or anything. But you could see, like you looked at it, and you were like, brick building, Waffle House still standing. All these yeah. houses gone, you know, just wreckage everywhere. Waffle House. Yeah. Yeah. Where my son, yeah. Where my son's going to college, there are six Waffle Houses. And I swear they're like blocks apart from each other. And they are all always busy. As they should be. As they should be. Exactly. So when, hold on. I had, this was another question. Okay. Let's talk about your characters. Who are your favorite characters in your books? Oh, in my books. Um, well in fourth and goal, Esme, she starts, she showed up in first and 10. She's the best friend. She's this total socialite. Like she's got a rich daddy, all that stuff. 
the thing is she's extremely intelligent and basically her dad finally puts his foot down because she's been in college for about 13 or for about eight years now because she just didn't want to stop going to school. So even though she's like this, this total, pro, you know, go to Biza, I'll party. She likes to take her daddy's jet whenever she just because she can. But she also ended up when she finally was like, because she's still considered an undergrad because she's never turned in her paperwork. <laughs> she's like, I didn't really want to graduate. She ends up with like a ton of degrees by the time she, they finally figured out what she actually did because they're paying full price at Northwestern. Of course, they're not going to tell her. No, you can't. Um, but she just basically would take things randomly just for that part. And I loved her cause she was very, she's very sure of herself in a lot of ways. And she was very, she was a smart ass. So I love her. Um, Ellie is kind of, you know, that's your first one. So you gotta like it, I guess. No, you gotta love your first baby. Um, from Chrysalis. Um, most of my ones are the ones that are smart asses are my favorites. Even when it comes to guys like Bounty, who is in cream, he, the girl, um, that one is a, a white man with a black woman, but he calls her cream because she's got a motorcycle named Peaches and he doesn't know which he wants to ride more, Peaches or cream. And that's kind of how it <laughs> is. And that's where, and that's how he is through the whole thing, you know? And like, you know, she's kind of said, well, you know, you have to be this tall to ride this ride. He says, you don't know how I've ridden. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he, he's always quick and I like that kind of guy. So it's kind of funny with him, but very protective. You know, those are kind of my favorite types of characters that I have. No, I, I, it's interesting. Did you, have you written any characters based on yourself? Oh, there's always me in there somewhere. I mean, like I said, when I, like when I wrote with Rihanna, the smart ass comments, the loosening up of dialogue was kind of me. And I, you know, and you can see it in books after that, where she kind of took on, she's like, okay, well, yeah, we don't have to be as formal. She's very formal. Um, so that's usually me. Uh, there's some things, especially with the interracial ones, because like we're doing one right now, Topaz, which is in the MC series, and we have like this white supremacist group. So, and my co-author's just like, I can't write the racist scenes. I'm like, oh, trust me, I've been called a mud shark for over 20 years. I can totally pull out some names and things that I've been called. So I put those in, or my husband's been called. So I put those things. I just tr- you know, sprinkle them a little bit, but you know, some of the insecurities that we all have. I'm sure that shows up a lot. I do. Out, there's usually a shout out to my crit group somewhere in there. The people that are in my crit group, because I know they're going to review it anyway. So, I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, I'll make sure to, I'll just make sure to put something in there just for them. You know, I had a neurosurgeon one where I, Lily, she's awesome, but she also, she's totally not who would be reading Dune, but of course she's reading Dune because that's that was a little sprinkle and it made sense. It actually makes sense for her character if you actually go beyond the surface so that's very cool How, what kind of um do you do you do a lot of events do you go and speak in panels and i mean we're not right now obviously because we're all no because not doing anything sucks. but yeah i actually i actually host an event at the mall of america oh wow um, has over 50 and it's actually not in the hotels it's actually in nickelodeon universe just for fun we're right on the pathway in this little suite that they have there that's called Royal Readers. That's in August. And hopefully it'll actually happen because we're really good. And 
in Minnesota, there's a thing that says, you know, CDC says stay six feet apart. And the Minnesota Scandinavian says, whoa, that's a little close there, isn't it? So, <laughs> so we've been really pretty good up here. So I'm hoping it will be open enough so we can do that. But yeah, I, I usually, I don't think that I'm going to do eight events a year. And then I end up doing like eight or nine events a year. Um, I don't necessarily speak on panels, uh, but I do go and I, you know, hang out with people and do signings and stuff. I have a big one down in Florida next year that hopefully won't get canceled because it's all the way next year, but it's in February. Some biker one that goes. Oh, biker week. On the yeah. It, well, it's on the Gulf Coast in April. I don't know. So it's called High Octane, the book signing. Well, so. it, no, it sounds brilliant. Well, you'll have to let me know when you're down here because mm-hmm. we're down yeah. here. You can come hang out with us and. I was supposed to be go to Waffle House. Exactly. I was supposed to be there last week, so it's kind of bummed. Oh yeah, no, it's this is definitely an interesting time. And do you think it it's has it changed at all your writing or anything? Because I know, like for a lot of people, I think there's like a very vast amount of emotions that people are going through during this time. And people who write a lot and stuff like that, some of us are just like, well, more writing time. And some people are like, this is the end of the world. Has it affected your writing at all? Or um, Only in the, well, one, the kid came home from school. So I sent him home. <laughs> and then um, I have another person that kind of, was made homeless and I guess technically has blood relations to me. So I've got extra people in my house because my husband would happily leave me alone and do his own thing. And cause he's had to re change how he does his work. So, um, so that's been kind of a, a barrier I'd say there are points when I'm seeing it slip into writing and I'm like, Oh, no, Oh, no, we don't want to remember this. You know, I mean, because cause obviously with Jack and the Beanstalk, I have Madison Harper, who's secluded up in the top of the cat of the palace, you know, which is a building. So I was like, well, that's just, just getting a little too close to home right now. But no, I, I, I'm trying not to put it in my writing as much as I can, um, because I think people want to will not want to be reading about it. I know that you know Pornhub obviously immediately got on that and made sure they had some videos for people in the COVID well, mess or whatever. Well, yeah. yeah it, Pornhub it, gets on, on any post. story. Like they're, there's they're a story. The, right. Yeah. Pornhub is free right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're on the pulse of what's going on in the world. And, but I can't, it's one of those things kind of like when people like write to what's hot and popular, I can't do that either. So I'm not going to be, I couldn't pump out, you know, 50,000, you know, uh, apocalypse story right now I just couldn't so how how fast do you write like how long would it take you to write a 50,000 word if you were inspired uh, and into it if I was inspired into it and alone in a van under the bridge or whatever it was ran by the river um, by the river by the river <laughs> yeah. I, you know if I could actually focus for 10 hours straight it would take me five days but you know, and then going to, you know, looking at it, but like raw stuff, just getting it out. Um, yeah, I miss my days when I wrote my first book because I actually lost like 30 pounds because I just didn't eat for three weeks and I got it done, which is cool because it's like 120,000 words. Didn't happen ever again. I wish that would happen again, but it hasn't. Um, but yeah, 
I, 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 you know, if I, if I can focus and actually be into it, I know I, I probably type between a thousand to 1500 words if I'm, if I'm not getting distracted or, you know, squirrels don't jump up and, you know, be funny or the dogs don't want to go out or. Yeah, or like, Facebook is not up. Facebook, and, and I don't, I don't have, scrolling. I have the notifications coming through on my phone. Yeah. I know what I can do. Huh, but I get to do that. It's not real. Do you have to write in quiet or like I, I found that I actually do better a lot of times when I'm in um, uh, like a coffee house or something, even if I put my earbuds in, I don't, I don't know, but like, do you write better alone or? I do actually good in coffee houses, but, or like, you know, up there or Starbucks or something that I don't do it very often. Um, I kind of have a mixture cause I do have, I like having my music. But then if I close my computer, I have to remember to push start again. It's like a whole thing. Um, but Does uh, your music have words or not words? Do you sing along if there are words? Depends on where I'm at in the story. Because I, I have very eclectic tastes. So you will go from opera in Italian to gas pedal by, I don't even know who it is. I just kind of like the beat. And then I'll go to country. And then I'll go to this rap song and then I'll go to pop and then I'll go to something from the 80s and that's kind of my I have I, every song I like I just throw into one playlist and I just hit shuffle and and I love it when it hits just right during the right song at the right time and all of a sudden that's part of that theme it really is it kind of just will guide me through there are there is Billy Holiday song I really I sat there and I I was just stupid to myself <laughs> and actually listen to this one song while I was writing the scene, crying the whole time. Now, anytime I hear it, I cry. <laughs> I've got one that's one that um, some characters walk down the aisle in. That one makes me cry. So, yeah, but I move those out of the playlist because they will trigger me for that one scene that I wrote forever mm. ago. I think that's awesome that you have such an emotional attachment to your work. I think, you know, I met a writer who said he can't even go back after it's edited and published. He can't go back at all. He doesn't go back and reread the stuff. He doesn't want to hear it. Like when the audiobook got published, he didn't want to listen to it. He was like, I was done with the writing. And I'm like, I, I don't know how somebody can do that. Like it's, it is your children or your babies or, you know, your out of control coworkers that are presently in our houses right now. <laughs> sort of calling them co-workers whether they're pets or humans they're all co-workers that are making right. jobs even more um okay so let's talk about uh what's coming up what's coming up for you before because we're getting near the end so let's do some shameless self-promotion what's coming out well on the 5th of may is the re-release of encroachment because my publisher closed so i've been slowly putting the books back out that is a football series. It's I went from offense to defense, and that one is the uh, he gets hit and uh, the cardiothoracic surgeon comes in and says, um, "We're not worried about your leg. I'm worried about your heart." And she has to fix his heart and try to find a way to get him back on the field, which is very hard by NFL standards. I'm just going to tell you because they don't want to touch the guy. Um, on top of the fact that he broke his leg, and the worst part is her brother is one of the coaches. <laughs> so, oh, wow. And that doesn't help anything. Then I have stocked coming out on May 21st. I was able to extend that one out. So that's a fairy tale retelling in June. I'll, I'll, I, 
I can keep on my writing schedule will be Topaz, which is book eight of the MC series. And our MC series is actually about a group up in Montana that their side hustle, as far as an MC is, is they rescue domestic violence victims. So that's kind of, there's sometimes, sometimes it's somebody who already lives on the compound. That's romance. Sometimes it's one of the victims finds happiness and safety there. Sometimes it's just somebody else that happened to be in town at the same time. So we kind of mix that up, but there's usually a rescue or two in there um, as well as the enemies and all that good stuff. And it's kind of, it's nice because they have that side thing that they just do to help people. And then what do I have coming after that? I was supposed to have an Olympic series, Olympic anthology, but we decided to move it out till next year since obviously, because I like sports. Yeah. So that's kind of my next couple that are coming out. That is awesome. And how do the fans that are dying to find you, how do they find you? Not in a stalker way. Don't give away your home address. I mean, like in a fight you on Facebook. Uh, how can uh, I put this nicely? My husband is seven foot tall and a former offensive lineman. <laughs> they, can try, they can try to come find me. <laughs> They're not going <laughs> to like who answers the door. Um, so uh, my biggest thing I tell a lot of people is go to my Amazon page and follow it because the Amazon's really nice and lets you know when I have new stuff whether you buy it on Amazon or someplace else, because I'm on Apple, Google, Barnes & Noble, all those places. Um, Then the biggest problem with me is I was born before spell check. So my first name is spelled M-I-C-H-E-L. And then it's Prince, as in the artist formerly known as, because, of course, I'm from Minnesota. So Michelle Prince books, you can find that. And make sure you add books. Otherwise, you're going to have an antique store somewhere in Ontario. Like that. It's, very <laughs> annoying. it's very annoying because they shut down their Facebook page every once in a while. And then I get all this stuff and I'm like, thank God I put my kids in French. Please tell them I don't want their wheel and they're talking to the wrong person. So, so Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L, Prince and books. Oh, there's also a winery. So anyway, and you can find that's pretty much what I do on Instagram and Facebook. And I do have a Twitter. That's just Michelle Prince one website if you want sign up for the newsletter because i do actually have i have a pa that now does that for me because <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome awesome well thank you so much for being on our podcast we really really appreciate it, it was wonderful meeting you um thanks. you're most welcome this has been drinking with authors i'm erica lance jm paquette we'll see you next time <laughs>